Okay, we're going to transition now into the, uh, the study of the Word of God. And as we do so, I'm going to ask for five volunteers to help us read, okay? And, and if we don't have five, of course, I'll jump in there and read the remainder of Scripture. But do I have any volunteers by a show of hands that like to help us? We got uh, Darius. We got Sister Lisa. That's two. Uh, we need three more. We have three more volunteers to help read Scripture. All right, Sister Crystal. Uh, we had two more volunteers to help us read the scriptures, and I'll give you the scriptures that you're going to read. We're reading from Acts chapter 3. What's up, brother? Good to see you again. God bless you. Uh, we need two more volunteers. Anybody else? You don't need to be an expert in the word, just the ability to come up and read the scriptures, joining the brothers and sisters. We got Sister Jean. Okay, one more person. One more person. Anybody else? All right. We got our brother with the Dodger beanie. Okay, so... Let's go ahead and have uh, those five volunteers come up. Why don't you make a line over here at the pole? You can keep distance as you need it. Um, and we're going to be reading through um, the book of Acts, chapter 3. And uh, as soon as you line up, I'll assign those uh, verses to each person. Lisa, you might as well go first. And you'll be reading verses 1 to 5 of chapter 3. Okay? Hey, guys, take your time. Introduce yourself and say something uh Encouraging to the people of God. What do you think? Can I get a little bit more volume, Chewy, and the bottom mic? Okay, chapter 3. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. All right, you can stop right there. You guys just give Sister Lisa a round of applause, man. Put your hands together for Sister Lisa. Come on up, D. You're going to read verses 7 to 10. Yes, sir. Hey, what's going on, church? My name is Darius Wright, and um, yeah, God is good. So. Yes, he is. Yeah, so it says in Acts 7, uh, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who um, as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. All right. Thank you, D. Thank you, D. Thank you, D. Okay, Sister Jean, you're going to read verses 11 through 16. You have a, a big section. Verses 11 to 16. All right. All right. Uh, Peter sp speaks to the onlookers. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if? By our own power, our godliness, we had made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. 
You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned him, the holy and the righteousness one, and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Amen. Thank you, sister. Thank you, sister. Praise God. I'm going to ask Crystal, come on up, Crystal, and, and go ahead and read two verses, okay? You could read 17 and 18. All right. Brethren, I know that you act in ignorance, not aware of what you are doing, as as did your rulers also. Thou hast God fulfilled what he foretold by the mouth of all prophecies that his Christ, the Messiah, should undergo ill treatment and be afflicted and suffered. Amen. Good job, Crystal. Excellent. 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 All right. Verses 19 to 23. Yes, sir. Good afternoon, church. I'm George. Big George. Um, so 19 to 23. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, now, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. Moses said to the Lord your God, will raise up, rise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. Then Moses said, anyone who will not listen to the prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. Amen. Amen. Thank you, George. You got the right, you got the right beanie on too, bro. Come on, brother. Good to see you, brother Alex. Bless you. Finish off the chapter. Which, which one is it? Uh, uh, Acts chapter 3, uh -huh. verses 24 to 26. 24 to 26. Hi, my name is Alex. Um, Pastor Josh was saying say something uh, encouraging, and um, <clears throat> I can't remember what what uh, what verse and uh, what where it's at, but it says stir up one another in love, you know. And and I like what the Greek the Greek word for stir means to irritate, you know. We're all and we're all family, and sometimes God will use things to you know, the, the brother to irritate or say something or, you know, but he uses all that to cause us to love people, man, you know, because I know that uh, love is, is an action word. So I just want to encourage us Amen. to walk in, walk in love, you know. Walk in love. Um, Acts chapter 3, 24 through what? 26. It says, yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow as many as have spoken have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, 
and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turn in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Amen. Praise God. The, the word of God. Amen. You ever came across people who said, man, you're always preaching to me. Maybe you're that person. Maybe you once were the one saying, man, you're always preaching to me. Stop preaching to me. Well, you know what? In uh, Peter gives two sermons in as many chapters. Last week we read in chapter 2 how Peter coming fresh off of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where the Bible says there was as tongues of fire that rested upon all of those who were there waiting in the upper room. And then here in chapter 3, in a completely different instance, Peter and the disciples, it says he and John, two of the three that were part of Jesus' inner circle, were headed to the temple during the time of prayer. And in this particular setting, we see here that Peter's about to do a miracle. He's about to do something that is that you can categorize as a sign and wonder, okay, from God Himself. But after Peter does this miracle, and we're going to get to that miracle, we're going to get to the other stuff, he then stands up and he starts preaching again. You know, you can never share the Word of God enough. You can never open your mouth and tell people about the love of God too much. As a matter of fact, in these days, too many of us are quiet. And we keep our mouth shut too often. When God wants us to open our mouths and let people know about who he is and what he's done. Because it's not about you. And it's not about that other person. We simply want to share what we have received and what is contagious. And that is Jesus Christ. I'm sitting here in the sanctuary today and I see people that our family met close to 30 years ago through sports. Look at Brother Manuel Campos. Is, how old are you, Brother Manuel? 93. He came and never left. Look at Corey Camarillo right here in the front row. I've known, I've known Corey since he was a, a, a little youngster playing tackle football. When you share the love of Jesus with our brothers and sisters and people that we interact with in life, that fire that is Jesus can never go out. And it doesn't matter which, what paths we take and where we go. The word of God is in us and it will not return void. Amen? Amen. The Bible says that when Samuel preached the word of God and prophesied to the people of Israel, the Bible says that and God was faithful and did not allow the word of Samuel to fall to the ground. Samuel is one of the prophets that Peter references here. And we're going to get into some of those people that, that, that Peter references in his sermons. So let's go back to the top of chapter 3. And, and please understand me very, very clearly tonight. I am not minimizing the power of miracles. I'm not minimizing the power of of healing i am not but i want us all to know here in chapter three that as we look at chapter three 
chapter 3 is not so that we only focus on the miracle that took place by the, the, the beggar at the gate called Beautiful, but it had more to do with Peter being able to stand up and testify and point to God and say, it is not me who healed this man, but it is the power of Jesus Christ who was resurrected on the third day and by the power of God and the faithfulness of God that I stand before you today as a witness has he received his healing and the ability to walk again. God does all these things so that we can give him the glory and point people to God. Amen? Amen. So let's see what it says here in chapter 3. It says, On that one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, three in the afternoon. Now, we need to understand that back then, in the first century Judaism, they had special hours of prayer at the temple. And the temple was not a Christian temple. This was not a pagan temple either. Okay, Does anybody know what kind of temple this was? It was the temple in Jerusalem. It was the temple that Solomon had built. And this temple was where many of the Jews would come and pray during those specific prayer times. So what, is, what does that tell us about Peter and John, who were two of Jesus' closest disciples and, and now leaders of this, the way, leaders of this, this very fresh and new Christian movement? What does that tell us about how Peter and the disciples started off in, in, in their faith and their walk with Christ. Did they, right away, did they pull themselves away from the temple, from the times of prayer, from their Jewish, you know, faith or religious practices? Did they? No. They wanted to take part. They were still Jews. And there was nothing wrong with that. They didn't convert to some other you know, religion and say, oh, I'm, I'm breaking away from, you know, my Jewish faith. I'm no longer an Israelite, right? I'm no longer one of the chosen people of God. No, these are chosen people of God by way of their lineage, their, their, their bloodline or their heritage. But at, at the same time, they were Jews who had put their faith in Christ because of what they had seen and because God allowed them to experience him in a real, in a very different way. So I want to point out right here that, that Peter and John continued in their, their practice of the, the religious, religious ways or the Jewish customs that many of the Jews in those days practiced. And it says, Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Everybody say Beautiful. Where he was put every day to beg for those going into the temple court. So in other words, um, this guy was picked up and he was carried there to the temple gates, which means that this guy was probably working for some other people. He, would, he may have been working for his family so that whatever he gathered, he would bring back to his family. But there were people that probably received the monies that he, he, was, he was given every day at, as he was placed at the temple uh, gate called beautiful he was put there to beg from those going into the temple courts you know you know people tend to like to go towards uh you know religious kind of people right or they like to come to you because they know that people of faith 
have a heart of compassion. And that our, our scriptures, our holy scriptures, and as a matter of fact, have a lot to do with compassion. Amen? Have a lot to do with, yeah, being the hands and feet of Christ. So that wasn't a bad place or strategic location for the man to be placed every day, right? He knew that the people that were going there to pray um, wanted to do right before God, wanted to do right also in the eyes of maybe their other, you know, fellow people. And, you know, if, if they were able to spare, you know, some change or, and or so a few drachma um, and, and, and give the man some money, you know, it made the man happy for a second. Are you, are you guys all following me so far? And so as this man is sitting there, it says he saw Peter and John about to enter. He asked them for money. Alms for the poor, alms for the poor. Peter looked it straight in the eyes, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. And the man looked up. Instead of just alms for the poor, alms for the poor, Peter called him to look into his eyes, you guys. And as he did that, the man was ex ex expecting to receive something from them. So he reached out his hand in an expectation to receive something that was only going to satisfy um, an earthly need, a temporary need, right? You know, hey, food is good. We all need food. You know, water is good. We all need water. But you know what? There's some things that are more important in life. Look what it says right here. And that's why the spiritual aspects of our faith are so significant. Peter says, silver or gold, I do not have. If you have the King James Version, maybe it says silver and gold, have I none. But what I have, I give to you. Or the other version says, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And you guys ever sung that song? Right? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He'll go jumping and leaping and praising God. Jumping and leaping and praising God. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That's a blessed song for us to, to know and to have tucked away in our heart right there because it reminds us, you guys, that materialistic things are no good. I, I saw a post on social media or something the other day, it says money is a good servant, but not a good master. Money is a good servant, not a good master, right? And we all know that we can't serve both God and mammon, both God and money, but we serve God only. And we allow money or material things to be used or useful in the ways to bless and benefit others. I had a dear friend who, Spent half of his life in prison, and when he got out, he was teaching me a lot about the way uh, things were in prison. And he says, you know, Pastor Josh, he says, back in, back in prison, he says, you didn't actually have anything unless you shared it. Because to keep everything that you had actually meant that you did not have it. And he says, and that's the way we, the brothers, lived when we were in prison. Anything that you had that could bless somebody, man, it belonged to somebody else, too. And I was so blessed by that man. And I've, 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 I've hung on to that one. And, 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 and I, I love to, I, I adopted that as one of my ways of being. Man, I'll give somebody my, my shoes right off of my, 
right off of my feet if I saw that they had need. How many of you are like that? You'll give somebody your jacket in this cold weather and, and just here you go. Why? Because you know you can go to the store and buy another one. Or you're going to go home and you got 10 other jackets that are hanging up in the closet. This man reached out his hand expecting a few pieces, measly pieces of coin, Brother Manuel. But in exchange, Peter, who was on fire, Peter, who had the anointing of God and the blessing of the Holy Spirit to heal, said, look at me. And the man looked him in the eye. And it was that transaction right there when he looked him in the eye that changed the man's life forever. You can see when somebody's hurting by looking in their eyes. Peter said, look at me. I want to see your eyes. You know, when somebody's hurting, they kind of always do a lot of this. Right, guys? Peter said, look at me. God wants to heal not only your body, but your soul. God wants to save your soul. And Peter had something far uh, worth far more than money. He said, rise up and walk. And the, right then and there, man. Like, so I don't know if this was like, a, like a, a, a Marvel comic movie. I don't know if the guy's legs just went boop, 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 boop. And started popping up everywhere. I don't know. His, his, I don't know. But it, the Bible says that he got up. He began to run. He began to run and he began to leap. And, and at that moment, the guy says, receive your healing. And he took him by the hand. Look at verse 7. And he helped him up. The man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising. The guy could not shut up. The guy could not stop testifying and talking about and yelling and say, hey guys, look at me, I'm healed. I mean, this was radical. The guy got dropped off there at seven in the morning and did not expect on that day to, to receive his healing. This guy was a grown man and he, he had been coming to the gate called Beautiful. What a beautiful place. What a beautiful gate. Every day, great. He would receive, he would take his, 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 his collection of, of, of donations and he'd, he'd go back to his home and he'd come back the same way this, the, the next day. But the Lord changed his life forever. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Now, verse 10 is the real reason why it happened. Now, granted, this man's life was restored. This man could go and work. This man was able to now go and have a useful body. And the Bible doesn't care to go into detail and tell us, and he went on to become one of the greatest chefs of, in Jerusalem. You know, it doesn't, doesn't say that, you know. It just leaves it right there where it needed to be left. It was, what was the point of all that? It was verse 10. People were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. God wanted to shake the earth beneath the temple. God wanted to shake and rattle some bones so that people could recognize that there was a living God who does more than require us to come and go to the temple to pray or the temple to go and beg or the temple to go and, and do the same old religious, monotonous, 
practice, God assigned Peter with the mission of going to the temple that day and he instructed him in his spirit to call the man out, to look at him and give the man his whole life back and then some. Isn't that a blessing, you guys? When you get more than you bargained for. Oh, man, you ever went in to go to a, to a shop to buy one thing and you went out with the whole smorgasbord of things and blessings? I was just sharing with a few friends that I went up to the Yakima Valley to, to minister for three days two weekends ago. And Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, just a whole a wonderful time of ministry. And man, I ran into two former professional baseball players that I, that I played baseball with in the Dodgers organization 20 years ago and had breakfast, man. It was like brothers. It was a reunion. And then on the Sunday after church, after a beautiful church service, I'm walking down the street right there in, in uh, Toppenish. You guys know where Toppenish is? Look it up. <laughs> it's just outside the, the, the Tri-Cities, uh, Kennewick, uh, Pasco and Richland. We have uh, some family members from our church from that area, by, up there by Moses Lake, right there on the Yakima uh, Reservation. So I stayed on the reservation for a whole weekend, man. It's beautiful. And as I'm walking down the street out of this restaurant on a full panza after a wonderful Sunday morning service, I was, I was full spiritually. I was, I was full um, bodily, you guys. I was so blessed. There was these two ladies that were struggling to get this massive playground apparatus off of their silver F-150 truck, probably in 2012. And these ladies weren't going to, they weren't going to move that thing at all. And me and this youngster were walking by right around the corner from the Air, Airbnb, the Air Bed and Breakfast where I was staying. And we said, hey, you guys need a hand? They're like, oh, my goodness, yes, please. I jumped onto the truck. I love telling this story. And then I'm smiling already. I love telling this story. It's so fresh and it's so wonderful. And this, as I, we're, we're muscling this thing off the, the bed of this truck, this out of, out of the blue, this, the, one of the uh, ladies that was there, she was a younger lady. She goes, I know who you are. I'm like, I'm in top of this. You don't know me. I'm a, just a city slicker. I'm in and out. And she says, you're Pastor Canales' son. And I, oh, my jaw dropped. I was like, Phew. and I, I thought she, you know, for a moment there, you know, I was like, oh, you know, she thought I was a movie star. You know what I mean? I mean, hey, you know, praise God. You know, what can I say? So, but, and, and, and I said, oh, I go, you're, you're, you're the young lady taking your, the, the kids to church this morning really early. It was like 7 a.m. And I went, you know, exploring around the town and eating at a really a nice little restaurant that Sunday morning. And she goes, oh, no, I was going to Costco. I was like, oh, you go to Costco looking that nice all dressed up? She goes, well, yeah, I, I put myself together every day like that. And I go, wow, back to the story. How in the world do you know me? And she goes, uh, and, she, and she's just like, she kind of moved her hair. And I was just like, oh. she goes, yeah, it's me, Genesis. I go, oh, my goodness, Genesis. She goes, yeah, I used to come to Mission Ebenezer when I was a Bible student at LABI College. She used to sit right there in that section where Brother Delon is with all the other young ladies that would come down from Bible College to have their breaks on the weekend with Pastor Nena. And, and, and I was floored. I was, I was blown away. 
And to make a long story short, we just all encouraged each other for about an hour. And she wasn't a part of the church that I was visiting and the ministry and nothing like that. I was just the passersby in the middle of Toppenish, Washington, and bumped into a young lady um, who needed a little encouragement. And I remember saying to somebody, we had a time of fellowship. And I say, but I don't know if I ministered to her or she ministered to me. Because I stood right there and, 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 and I, of course I offered her oh, just edifying words of encouragement to, to serve the Lord and to, to press into Jesus. And, and, and she began to share about her story in the last you know, several years of her life. And we just, we just had a time of fellowship. And before we left, her, she and her mom both were just weeping and sobbing. And I was just like, wow. Sometimes you go someplace for one thing and you leave with more than you bargained for. But you cannot be afraid to open your mouth and tell the people about the goodness of God. Peter wasn't there waiting for people to worship him and bow down and start licking his Air Jordans. Oh, yeah, you know, like groveling at his feet. The Bible says in Acts chapter 5 that Peter and the disciples would walk through town and people would throw their, their, their hurting and their sick out on the front porch of their homes so that only the shadow of Peter might pass by them and heal them as they fell under the, the, the blessing and the anointing of the healing that was following Peter. And, and, and that was an overflow of the upper room experience when they were baptized by the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't just to heal. It wasn't just for signs and wonders, although those were all messianic prophecies and things that would point to the fulfillment that, yes, the things that followed Jesus of Nazareth his death, his resurrection, and the signs and wonders that followed after such, a, such an event all demonstrated that, yes, in fact, Jesus was and is Messiah. Everybody say Messiah. And Jesus is Messiah. Peter wasn't there to let people continue to, you know, sing his praises. The man was singing and jumping and praising who? God. Everybody say God. Praising God. Somebody comes up and tells you you do something great, say thank you, and I give all the glory to God. Amen? For he has given me the ability to do what God has placed in my hands to do. But you got to be an obedient agent. You have to be the obedient agent. So when somebody says thank you, don't say don't mention it. I mean, that's fine. But give the glory to God. Amen? Amen. So let's continue. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, he didn't want to let them go now. He's like, you just changed my life forever. Can I just hold on to your leg and I'll follow you and go wherever you want? Kind of like the, 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 the uh, Gadarene demoniac. Remember him when Jesus healed the man with, with the... Uh, a thousand evil spirits in his body. He didn't, he didn't want to leave Jesus. He wanted to follow Jesus around like a, like a puppy. But what did Jesus tell him? Stay back and go to your hometown and tell people about what I did. Stay back. You can't come. <laughs> people need to see the work of God in your life. All the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. 
When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, here we go. Everybody say, Sermon number two. Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? This is a theme right here. Let me pause for a moment. This is a theme right here in uh, chapter 3, verse 12, when, when Peter says, why do you look at us as if we, we've done this under our own power? Paul, you're going to see later on in the book of Acts, we're going to stumble upon that. And I, I can't remember exactly what chapter towards the end. When, when Paul and the rest of some of his own disciples um, overcome a perilous situation and moment, they looked at them and says, you must be the son of the gods, right? And Paul's like, no, 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 I am not. On the other hand, people who receive praise and accept praise, okay, and, and worship, all right, they are going to run into a problem because their flesh is going to like it and enjoy it too much, much like Herod. You can research that as well. King Herod it was one who gave an eloquent speech. And as he finished the speech, people began to praise him and worship him as if he was a god, like a deity. And as he was receiving all the glory and all the honor, boom, he felt sick and dead right then and there because he did not pause. He did not recognize that he was falling into that place of allowing himself to be lifted or elevated as such. How many times in our day and age, in our culture here, 2,000 years from this point right here, do we see idol worship in our everyday life? Right? We see it. You just turn on the television. Turn on social media. We got people now that are, so to speak, a nobody that become an influencer. And then all of a sudden they got, you know, millions of followers because of something. I don't know. But and people are like there to just like elevate them and worship them and, and do all those kinds of things. Man, God says, hey, be careful. If you're an athlete, you may be gifted. You may you might could do a somersault dunks and people want to just worship you and you have to. Be careful that we don't allow ourselves to be lifted up. In ministry, you could be a pastor. You got to be careful. You don't allow yourself to be lifted up or elevated or you, you yourself or we ourselves become puffed up in that kind of a way. Amen? So I like the fact that Peter here, at this moment, he is deflecting. Everybody say deflecting. Peter is deflecting this praise um, that is being directed toward him and he is pointing it to God. Verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified His servant Jesus. Oh, that's a beautiful verse. Can you highlight that with the highlighter or a pen or a pencil in your Bible? He includes Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jesus in the same sentence. Isn't that a beautiful verse? That is a powerful verse where Peter connects technically the, the two bookends of our faith, both Abraham and Jesus, in the same sentence as he's speaking to his fellow Jews. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, that's like a whole lot of people right there in between, right? And then he says, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. And you brought him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. 
you disown the holy and righteous one and ask that a murderer be released to you. So now Peter, oh man, this is, this is, a, this is getting a little touchy right here. All right? Peter is at the, he's at the temple. He's hanging around Solomon's colonnade. He had just entered through the beautiful gate, right? And, and roughly, how many days are we now from the resurrection of Jesus? Huh? Right, right around 50. Because last week in chapter 2, we talked about what event? Starts with a P. Pentecost. Don't mix it up with Passover. That's in, that's in the Old Testament. That, that was when the Israelites came out of Egypt. But they're connected, right? All the Jews from all around the known world. In my Bible, I like this Bible because um, it has a map. And on this map, you can see has Jerusalem is, a, is a, the epicenter of, you know, uh, journeys that people would take. A spiritual, um, a religious journey every year. Some people went every year. Others who couldn't afford it, they couldn't go every year, but they would maybe send somebody in their stead or they send somebody on their behalf. Or if they knew somebody that was going there, they would send them with some money and say, please take this to the temple on our behalf. My mother-in-law, she's in Nigeria right now, and, you know, and she tries to go as often as possible. And, you know, I, it, it's like a custom. Whenever she goes back to the motherland, Nigeria, there's a lot of people, oh, Mama, can you take this for me? And she, she goes from having one suitcase to having two or three more suitcases. And, and nowadays, it ain't, it, ain't, it ain't cheap to have to check in an extra suitcase at the airport anymore, is it? One, one time she went to Nigeria. I think she spent almost $500 on extra luggage that she was taking there. And she leaves all the suitcases there because all the goods, the shoes, the socks, the clothes... Everything that she's taking there to bless and give people and, and relatives of friends that live here in, in L.A., um, she ends up just leaving it there and it's just, ya se va. Anyway, people would do that whenever they, be, they would be taking their annual trips to Jerusalem to go and celebrate Passover. So all that because we're talking about what word? Pentecost. Everybody say Pentecost. Pentecost is the, was, simply means the 50th day after the Passover, okay? The 50th day after the Passover. Okay, so um, let's, let's continue right here. Verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus, another time Peter mentions Jesus. I'm going to say something right now after I finish this verse. This man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through Him that has given this complete healing to Him, as you can all see. Okay, eyes up. Just like Peter told the man, the invalid. Eyes up. Okay. It is great that we use the name of God. It is great that, when we, that we talk about God. But guess what? You have to talk about Jesus. You have to use the word Jesus. And don't just use the word Christian. You got to talk about Jesus. And God wants us to have conversations about the Christ. Why is it significant for us to be able to talk about Jesus as a, a believer, as a disciple? Why is that important? By way of raising a hand. George. Yeah, John chapter 14, verse 6, right? 
says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, Jesus said. Right? So Jesus is, is the key. Let's not, let's not, you know, and I'm going to challenge us a little bit. If we fall into that category and find ourselves talking about only God, and yes, Jesus is God, and we're, we're, but we're kind of like a distant or loosely related connection or conversations about our faith, and we're only using the word God, what happens is, is there's a whole lot of room for interpretation. There's a whole lot of room for pluralism to, to bleed into that, that interpretation of God. So don't be afraid to use the word Jesus. And you know, sometimes for, for men, like Jesus is kind of like, they're afraid to say the word Jesus. I feel like, you know, people are going to think that they're like a sissy. They're going to think that they're kind of weak. Because someone says the name Jesus. But how many of you know that there is power in the name of Jesus? And the reason why it's important for us to be able to use the word Christ and not just, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, Christian is a really, really cool label these days. It's a really, really awesome trend too in, in, the, in different worlds. It's a trend in, in Hollywood right now. Did you know that? It's a trend. It's a trend to make music with the word Christ in. It's a trend to make a, a, Christmas, a Christmas album if you're a, an artist. Anybody could do that, right? Talk about Christmas, got the word Christ in it, and make a whole lot of money, especially if you could sing good too. But why is it significant for us to understand what the word Christ? Does anybody know what Christ means? Christ means anointed one. Christ means the king. So as Christians, we are followers of the king. We're followers of the anointed one. Not just someone who's anointed, but the one. Peter called him the holy one and the righteous one. I love that. Remember what Isaiah says, right? He says, not one, there is not one who is holy, not one who is righteous. No, not one. Our righteousness, he said, is as what? Filthy rags unto God. Filthy rags, actually, in, in, in Hebrew, it's re referring to uh, woman's menstrual um, rags. That's what it's actually talking about. Like, dang, that's pretty heavy uh, language and imagery. I apologize, but I'm just giving you the real word. Is that okay? All right. So I wanted to emphasize tonight the words that, that Peter uses. And I want us to see that in our Bible studies, in our daily lives, we cannot afford to live our lives simply talking only about God. Because God is so big and so grand, you're not going to get to the specifics of, of what you mean. Go ahead, Sister Sandra. Acts 4, verse 11. you see that? Sister Sandra's pointing out in the next chapter, and it's okay, we're getting ahead. But chapter 4, Peter and John are going to stand before the Sanhedrin, which is the 70 of the most powerful religious Jewish men that made all the heavy decisions, including 
to crucify Jesus. Now they have to stand before these guys and that now they're going to have to plead their case. You know why they have to plead their case? Because they're about to call out some folks right here up in the temple. And that's why he pointed straight to Jesus and says there is no salvation outside of Jesus. He didn't fool around. We can't tiptoe around the fact that if you're a believer, you're a believer in Jesus, the Christ. Because in Jesus Christ, you find your salvation, right? Um, it's like loving your parents when you need something and then pushing them away when, they're, when, when you don't. It's like, you know, you need a, a teenager knows he needs a ride to school, but the moment he gets to school, he gets away as fast as he can from the vehicle he just got out of. Y'all you're following me? It reminds me of the, the story of my father. When he was a teenager, he got, he got pulled back at Redondo Beach in a riptide, and he, it was pulling him out, and he was drowning. And his friends were on the shore, and they said, he's drowning. He said, go save him. Goes to the lifeguard, big, tall, handsome, blonde-headed Fabio dude. Just getting there. He's, just, he's just got striated muscles, and he swims all the way out to my dad. My dad's just flailing, flailing away, you know, drowning and everything. There goes Zeke, you know what I mean, my pops. And the guy says, grab on. So my dad had to hug on to the guy's body. So like body on body, my dad was like on his back and the guy is just like striated muscles. He's just pulling himself through the riptide, man. And my dad, he's pulling him to show this guy's saving my dad, right? And the moment my dad's knee and foot hit, hit the ground where he could get up, he's just like, hey man, get off me, man. I'm cool, bro. You know, leave me alone. I say, you know, I'm straight. Come to fix his hair. He still had three flowers with some sand all mushed in it. You know what I mean? Like we, we don't need it, you know? But no, you got to press into Jesus and not forget who Jesus said and is and what he's done for us. Who he is and what he can do for someone else. That's the key. That's the key. So let's go back to chapter 3. Verse 17. Brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance. As did your leaders. Oh, no, they're starting to get a little... They were listening to him up until this point right here. And all of a sudden, it's just like, yeah, y'all ignorant. <laughs> but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Oh, verse 19. I love it right here. I love it. Don't ever criticize anybody that's standing on the corner with the microphone and a big cross and the big yellow signs with black letters that saying, repent, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Don't criticize them. They're just telling it like it is, man. That might be the person's last chance to repent as they're walking from the arena or the stadium or the concert. There may be another method that you prefer. Go ahead, use that method, but don't, don't criticize that person, okay? Because they're communicating just like Peter. Where do you think they have the, the zealousness and the fervor and the passion and the, the dedication? Where do you think they got that from? They got it from Peter, Peter, look, repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He pointed, Peter was, and I'm going to say, Peter was gangster. He started pointing his finger at them. I remember we had a prayer conference back in like 2000. 
I want to say 2010 or 11, Sister Sandra, it was the time of refreshing. You remember that prayer conference? It was Pastor Dozier and, and Sister Sandra led that. It was wonderful. A time of refreshing may come in the Lord and that you may receive the Christ whom God has sent to you. Look, he must remain in heaven. Now he's starting to unpack it until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. All right, here we go now. He's going to start pulling in some heavy hitters because he knows he's losing the crowd. He knows he just turned some people off by what he just said. They all think they're already saved. They already think that they're all going to uh, Sheol. They all think that they're going to a place maybe called heaven. In, in the Jewish religious tradition, there is no place called heaven. Go, go to the Old Testament. You, you're not going to find a place called heaven there. It's not there. They had a different understanding. They would call it go to the, the way of your fathers. You would go the way of your ancestors, right? You would go to the bosom of Abraham. You go to Sheol. But you're not going to find necessarily this idea or these words like called heaven the way we, we read about in the New Testament because it's coming from a almost like a more westernized influence and way of thought that was utilized by Christian thought to give people a way to understand the afterlife. Are you following me? All right, let's continue. Watch this. So Peter now is going to pull in one of the heavy hitters of the Jews. One of their big dogs, bro. Like shh, the memory of this dude. You even say his name and it's like, it's like, the, it's like the hyenas in, in Lion King. They're like, Mufasa. You're like, Whoa. remember the hyenas? You say, say it again, Mufasa. You're like, you say Moses and the people start shaking, man. The hair starts standing up on their arms. They're like, you say, Moses, say it again, Moshe. That's what would happen when you would use the name like Moses. He was revered. He was lifted up. Look what he says. For Moses, this was a, a tactic by Peter. He said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything that he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. He said, even Moses pointed to or referred to this Christ. And back in, in, in the Old Testament, his name was not um, Yeshua. All right, let me pause there for a moment. It got quiet. There's no mention of that the Christ or the anointing was going to be named Yeshua. Yeshua was Jesus' Hebrew name. Jesus. It's the same thing. Okay? It's the same thing as Jesus. In Yesu. Uh, Okay, Isa for the Arabic called Jesus Isa. If you want to pray in the name of Isa, pray in the name of Isa. If you want to pray in the name of Yeshua, pray in the name of Yeshua. If you want to pray in the name of Jesus, pray in the name of Jesus. But don't let anybody tell you that you're praying wrong if you don't only use the name Yeshua. That's a, that's a trend right now too. Or that there's some more, somehow more mystical, heavenly, Christian Holy Spirit, godly power, if you use Yeshua, his Hebrew name. Well, that's great. That's his name. But my name is Josue, Yeshua, Joshua. You say whatever you want. You know, just don't call me. I'm just kidding. Okay. So, he, 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 he lobs up the name of Moses. Boom. He says, even Moses said, 
Okay? And he says, do everything that Moses told you. So he wants to refer to Moses, but there's counter arguments in some faith circles and religious circles that says, well, the Old Testament messianic prophecies are not interpreted the way we believers or Christians interpret them and the way we believe or ascribe lordship or, or uh, the attributes of God to Jesus. And that is, that's actually a belief and practice of our Jewish people that don't believe Jesus is Messiah. They said, we don't believe that all the Old Testament prophecies and scriptures, that they were fulfilled in the way that you read them and understand them. And that's why we don't believe He is God. And so they're still waiting for Messiah. The Jews are still waiting for Messiah. Not all Jews, because there are Messianic Jews. There are Jews who believe that Jesus is Messiah. Right? And that's a beautiful thing. I know of lots of people that are Messianic Jews, and they're, the cho they're from the chosen people of Israel, and they believe in Jesus. That's, wow, what a blessing. All right, let's continue. So he mentions Moses, and he says, then you need to listen to Moses. So he wants to, he wants to utilize Moses' clout, his, his influence, to persuade and to bring them to a place of faith and salvation. He's, he's like, man, I want, I want you to, uh, this is for your own good. Look what he says. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, Interesting how he mentioned Samuel in, in that right there. Um, Samuel was also another very revered prophet, right? Um, he didn't write anything, so we don't call him a minor or a major prophet, but he's mentioned, Peter mentions him as a prophet because he was one of the prophets of Israel. And Scripture says that what, all, the word that God spoke to Samuel and through Samuel did not fall to the ground. In other words, when he prophesied, his prophecies came true including the prophecy over, over the, and against the house of Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas. You guys ever read the story of Ichabod? The story of Phinehas' son who was born right after he had died. And the mother um, or the wife who had just lost her, her husband because he had died in, in, in war. She says, Ichabod, for truly the glory of God has left us. That's what Ichabod. Remember that the, the Disney cartoon, Ichabod Crane? Anyway, all right. He says, even from the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken have foretold these days. Oh, here he goes again. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all people on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Now, earlier, he, we, we talked about the fact that he mentioned Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jesus in the same verse. And that was a wonderful verse. Then he brings up Abraham here again. If you go to Matthew chapter 1 or the book of Luke, you can find the genealogy of Jesus. And you'll see that they actually uh, do him. Matthew starts with Abraham, and he takes you through like 14 generations at a time till you get to Jesus. If you go to Luke, it, does, it starts with Jesus, and then it, it walks you backwards. It's pretty cool. Uh, all of that to say that Peter wanted to show that, that Jesus was Messiah, all right? That Moses spoke about him or prophesied about this Messiah and all the things that were fulfilled in this man named Jesus from Nazareth, who is the Christ. He, and then he also mentions Abraham because he wants the Jews, who are the sons of Abraham, right? 
Father Abraham and many sons. Many sons that Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's go marching on. And then so on and so forth. Man, see, if your kids aren't going to uh, Sunday school, you ain't bringing your kids, you're letting them stay home and watch television. Missing out. Get the kids to church. All right. So watch this. He mentions Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but then he mentions Abraham because not only is he the father of faith, but Jesus follows in the lineage of Abraham. And you could trace it all the way back. All of this so that Peter can persuade the Jews that Jesus is the one. That he is the Holy One. Not only that, but what did Peter, or how did Peter start off this chapter? What did he do? He healed a paralyzed man. If that wasn't enough to get the attention of all the passers-by and the people that were coming there to the temple that day or for that whole week, they were going to all start talking about the man that's no longer there begging and have to go see it for their own eyes. I bet there were people who hated and reviled Peter and John. And there were a lot of people who believed his word. Let me ask you a question. Is it worth it for even one to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Is it worth it to you? Do we have enough of a burden to share the love of Jesus with our fellow brother? And use the name of Jesus. Guys, ladies, Bible says, if you don't confess Jesus here on this earth, one day we will stand before him as he sits on the judgment throne and he will not recognize us. That's a promise. Let us take up the urgency, the burden of sharing the love of Jesus and allowing people to see the signs, the wonders, the miracles. And let us know our scripture and our word so we can bring people to the feet of Jesus so that they can receive salvation. Amen.